for those of you that are worshiping with us online. Um, it's great to have you here with us. Um, for those of you that are here in the building, it's great to have you here with us. Our God is good. Um, this isn't in my notes, but but I'm just going to kind of go with it a little bit. Uh, I, I know we all see things a different way. Um, and uh, today's February 14th, so I will, uh, like, with affection, I'll say happy Valentine's Day, and I love you. But I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I'm not crazy about Valentine's Day. I don't, really, I don't know the history behind it. I don't know at what point it became romantic. I think there was actually a guy named Valentine probably at some point. I don't know what made him a saint. I, I don't know. But I know at some point, Hallmark started selling a lot of cards. And people started feeling obligated. And people started feeling heavy. And that's the part about Valentine's Day I can't stand. Why in the world? I mean, if you say I have a Valentine or I don't have a Valentine, what, do you, what are we saying? Did I have a piece of paper? Did I have a piece of paper with, with red hearts on it? Or, or I don't know. But I know that there's plenty of people that feel bad today because they don't have a Valentine, whatever that piece of paper is, or that, that special loved one. I know that people feel obligated Oh, I gotta do this and this, make the perfect reservation, and do. I, I honestly, it bugs me. It bugs me. I'm just being honest with you. And I thought about that today as we're worshiping, because there was nothing. There, was, uh, there couldn't have been a more authentic expression of love than what we had today in God's presence, just worshiping Him, calling upon His name. That was authentic. That was love. That was not obligation. And and Jesus loves us. So much. Women, I know you were probably appalled by my little mini (laughs) thing. But men, you were probably going, amen, in your heart. You weren't saying it out loud. You're like, you can get in trouble, Harper. Not me. But I was getting amens of the heart. Authentic. I I love an authentic expression of the Lord. I love an authentic expression of the Lord to the Lord. If we know Jesus, we love Jesus. And I do want to talk about someone who knew Jesus. If you want to open your Bibles or your Bible apps, you can kind of kind of put your your finger or a placeholder in 1 John chapter 1, but you can also turn to the book of John and hold that place in chapter 14, and we're mainly going to be in 1 John today. And we're going to talk at the very beginning here about John, about the author of both of those books. John knew Jesus. John loved Jesus. And John knew Jesus' love for him. So let me just kind of provide a little bit of backstory about John. John uh, was called to follow Jesus while mending his nets. He was a fisherman, and he had a brother named James, just as Jesus had a brother named James, so these James are different. Um, But John and his, what most believe to be his older brother James, um, they were fishermen, and they were called by Jesus, and they followed. Um, They were known by Jesus, so much so that he gave them a nickname. He gave these two brothers a nickname, called them the Sons of Thunder. What an awesome nickname for a couple of 
brothers that are probably pretty passionate and opinionated. Sons of thunder. John described himself with the most wonderful description. He described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, I've heard people kind of, you know, facetiously, you know, kind of give him a hard time, bust his chops, you know, bust John's chops for, for believing that way. But honestly, how wonderful would it be if every one of us saw us that way? I'm the follower of Jesus who Jesus loves. I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. I'm, I'm the man who Jesus loves. I'm the woman who Jesus loves. Listen to this description given in the intro of the Gospel to John in the, the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation, before it begins a book, it gives this really cool um, synopsis and intro and explanation. So this is what that says. It says, John writes to unveil the mystery of Christ. Love unlocks mysteries. As we love Jesus, as we love Jesus, our hearts are unlocked to see more of his beauty and glory. When we stop defining ourselves by our failures, but rather as the one whom Jesus loves, then our hearts begin to open to the breathtaking discovery of the wonder of Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? And what a, what a beautiful unpacking as, as you prepare to read the book of John in, in the Passion. John, with, with his brother James, and Peter were, had the honor of being part of this inner circle with Jesus, even among the disciples. It was John and James and Peter, and they, they spent some unique and some special and some honored times just with the Lord and are known as being part of the inner circle even among the disciples. Before Jesus died, he spoke to someone and said, take care of my mom. Look after Mary. And that person was John. Do you think John did it? I imagine he did, right? I imagine he cared for her in whatever ways. I, I don't know. I mean, we don't, we're just left to our imagination, but I can promise you this, he did. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I bet you in the midst of, of caring for her, he heard stories about Jesus. He learned things from Mary about Jesus. It had to happen. Just relationally, that's what we do. We talk, we share In our outpourings of love, we gush about people. And I guarantee Mary gushed about Jesus in some pretty powerful ways. John says in the Gospel of John, Jesus did so much more than I've described here. In fact, I imagine if everything was written about what Jesus did, the whole earth couldn't contain it. John knew Jesus. John, he he wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote First John, Second John, Second uh, John, Third John. He wrote the Book of Revelation. So John authored five books of the Bible. John knew Jesus. 
John loved Jesus. And John knew that he was loved by Jesus. As we dig into Scripture, we need to keep these things in mind. As we're reading in 1 John chapter 1, we need to keep in mind, John knew Jesus. Knew him. Closely. Intentionally. Faithfully. And John knew he was loved by Jesus. John sheds light on the mystery of Jesus' love and how amazing it is to be wonderfully and permanently changed by that love. Part of how John reveals this mystery is with a tiny little word. If. He uses the word if, and he uses the word if a lot. When we're spending time in Scripture and we see something in the Word and we see a theme repeated, we see words repeated, we really need to back up and say, okay, let me, let me be intentional about paying attention to this. And we're going to read a passage and we're going to see how many times John uses the word if. I think we're all familiar with if, but let me do a little English lesson here. If is mainly used as a conjunction. It's mainly used introducing a conditional clause. We're all familiar with an if-then statement. If this happens, then this happens. If you do this, then this takes place, right? If it's truly defined as on the condition or supposition that, or in the event that, That's when if is used as a conjunction. It can also be used as a noun, but we're just going to focus on this conjunction aspect as we read from 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If, it's the first time we get if here, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us verse 9 we're still there if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To carry on that theme, we could say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, this is interesting, this is twice in the same breath that John says, if we claim we have no sin. Clearly it's an issue. 
back to back, he says, if we say we have no sin, and then he, he follows with the then statement, if we say we have not sinned, we make Jesus a liar, and his word is not in us. I'm, I'm going to pause right here for a second because I truly believe that we, as, as Christians and as the church, we underemphasize confession. We, we, we don't give it its due importance. When John, who knows Jesus and loves Jesus and walked with Jesus and received revelation that no one else in the history of the world received about Jesus, especially when he wrote the book of Revelation, when John says, if we confess our sins... Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He knows what he's saying. How often do we make confession a part of our relationship with Jesus? Oh, he knows. He knows, right? The whole omniscience thing. He knows. Don't want to bother him with my sin. He only gave his life for it. Confession matters. Because it's about relationship. It's about coming to him. And it's about coming in a state of humility and saying, Jesus, you you already know this, but I need to do this because I can't carry this. And without confessing it, I'm carrying it. So Jesus, I confess to you. Let me confess our sins to him. I'm not talking about confessing it to another man. I'm not, which the Bible does say, confess your sins one to another. I think there's healing in that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the relational act of confessing to Jesus so that we don't have to carry the heaviness of sin. Scientifically, it is proven the minute that you talk about something that's heavy, a release comes. That's why there's so many therapists. That's why there's so many counselors. Because it's good to talk about it. But here John is saying, we are supposed to talk about it with Jesus. Why? Because you are the disciple that Jesus loves. Because you're the disciple that Jesus adores. Because you are the follower of Jesus that he always has time for that he is always there for. And he wants to lift every heavy thing, even more so than a counselor or a therapist, which are, I, I think are good and valid and helpful and beneficial. But Jesus is better. And we confess our sins to him. So we don't confess out of some religious obligation. If we're reading anything written by John, we never see religious obligation. In the book of John, you know what we see in the gospel? We see believe, 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 believe. You know what we see in 1 John? And you know why I believe the Lord brought me to this today? 1 John is the book of love, man. People talk about, about uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Man, 1 John is the book of love. It's all about love. There's, there's no talk of obligation or heaviness when he says confess your sins it's because jesus loves us 
I don't know how many more times I have to say this to get it to stick. I don't know how many times I got to repeat this to get it to stick, but I'm just telling you this, it's got to stick. It's got to stick. This is a relational aspect of who we are in Christ Jesus. We come to him and we confess our sins and we leave it. It's not just a one-time thing. How could something, we don't just leave it at the foot of the cross when we're saved and we confess our sins and now we're good. Christians make a mistake of doing that when confession is so wonderful. Even in the natural sense, it's wonderful. Like as mentioned with a therapist or a counselor, but we're talking about the supernatural sense of leaving it with Jesus so we don't carry the weight or the heaviness of it. If we say we haven't sinned, John says we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. We make Jesus a liar and his word is not in us. Wait, hold on. I thought you just got done saying 1 John was the the love book. It is. It is. We are to go to Jesus with authenticity, with vulnerability. Man, that's why I love what we did today. I mean, just it was so, I, I, I hope you guys got as blessed by worship today as I did. Just being there in his presence, calling out his name, singing his name, being touched by him as we honor him. Laying things at the feet of Jesus. Let's go to the next. Let's turn to 1 John 2. Okay? This is, this is how it begins. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That's remarkable. I'm writing this to you so you may not sin. But... If, we got some more ifs, if anyone does sin, if Mark Harper does sin, if any of us do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. Do you guys know what propitiation means? It's a big word. Young people, do you know what propitiation means? It means that he bears the wrath that the Father has against sin, not against people, against sin, because he's a holy God. Jesus bore the wrath of the Father towards sin. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You and I are included in that. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. I need to read that again. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. 
By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him, in Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. I went to great lengths to lay the foundation that John knew Jesus, right? That John loved Jesus. That John was changed by Jesus. And that John knew that he knew that he knew that he was loved by Jesus. Even to the point he shamelessly referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. John was a pillar in the New Testament church. John and Peter and James, the the, the brother of Jesus, not James now the brother of John, but John and James the brother of Jesus and Peter, they were the pillars of the early church. John is one of them. He knew Jesus. And what does he say? Jesus, if you know Jesus, you keep his commands. If you love Jesus, you obey his commands. John 14, 15. John made the same statement in the gospel. He said, if this is Jesus talking and John writing about it, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He is quoting Jesus. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then in John 15, verse 12 through 14, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then he says this, You are my friends if you do what I command you. That's what Jesus said. That's what John heard. That's what John wrote. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for my friends. You're my friend. If you follow my commandments, what he's saying is you're my friend if you will lay down your life for me. You say you're my friend. Will you lay down your life for me? We're not talking about the extreme. The extreme of like dying for Jesus, like firing squad or whatever it is that comes to mind. That's not, he's talking about, will you lay down your preferences for me? I love you. I I really do love you. And I see that you're pretty stubborn. Will you lay down your preferences for me? Jesus saying, will you lay down your pride for me? Will you lay down your comfort level for me? No greater love has a man that he lays down his life for his friend. You say you're my friend. You want to be my friend. Will you lay down your life for me? And the whole time he knows he's going to lay down his life literally for you and I. He's going to be falsely accused and arrested, mocked and beaten and whipped and tortured and assassinated for you and I. He's going to be murdered for you and I and he knows this is coming. But he's saying, you say you're my friend, will you lay down your preference for me? Your comfort for me? And James... Chapter 4, James, the brother of Jesus. In verse 8, he says, 
Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's what confession does. That's what confession does. James goes on to say, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's talking about confession. He's talking about the act of, of bringing ourselves to God in this cleansing act of confession. But he starts off by saying, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Do you want a closer relationship with God? Then draw near. I, it's an interesting dialogue when we talk about the love of God and the price that Jesus Christ paid. And we talk about the free gift of salvation. And it is absolutely true. Justification is free paid for by the blood of Jesus, by the completed work of Jesus. We can't be justified by any other means than by believing in the work and the name of Jesus Christ. Got it? Salvation, justification. We are saved by grace and faith in Jesus alone. Faith in his faith. Faith in his faithfulness. Faith in Jesus alone. But I'm telling you, love It's reciprocal. Love goes both ways, and love is complex. It's interesting. Parents. I know that every single one of us listening to this message, parents, you would lay down your life for your kids. You would. And, And that thought crosses your mind. That thought crosses our mind for whatever weird reason. It crosses our mind. We purpose in our heart. We would take that bullet. We would pay that price. We would lay down our life for our kids. But you know what? It, it's not reciprocal the other way. Most kids have never thought about that. Why would, why would I have to die for my parent? And honestly, it, it's probably, and, and this is just my opinion, I don't know that a kid should have to have that thought and think I would lay down my life for my parents. I don't know. I don't know that the kids realize the extent of the love that we have for them, that that's within our thought process. That's when within our emotional composition. Now, I love, so I might get myself in trouble. So just let me finish the whole thought. Okay? So I've thought about this, because I love y'all, but would I die for, for all of y'all? I don't know. I, I Here's what I imagined. I imagine like the scenario where like someone's like, all right, like Carl. So Carl and Colleen, hopefully you guys are watching. Carl's like 80-something. How old's Carl? He's 80-something. Okay. So I thought of like someone going, one of you guys has got to die. You know, Mark or Carl. And Carl looking at me like, you son of a gun. You better not jump in. Don't do it. I want to go be with Jesus. Don't even think about it. I, honestly, I, I, and maybe, and I can see Carl being like, Almost like glaring at me like, don't you, don't you do it. Hopefully that doesn't sound odd. Jesus, Jesus loves each one of us to the point where that's exactly what he did. He laid down his life for you and I. He was brutally beaten for you and I. 
and he knows the weight of sin. When I say he was beaten for you and I, he did it to to remove the power of sin in our lives. And Jesus today knows that when we come to him, we draw near to him in confession of our sins. The weight of those things we're carrying gets lifted where that we leave that moment different than when we showed up. What's the end result here? What's the end result from the perspective of Jesus here? He wants when we come into his presence that we all leave boasting and confident, knowing I am the disciple who Jesus loves. You are the disciple who Jesus loves. You're the girl that Jesus loves. You're the boy that Jesus loves. You're the man that Jesus loves. You're the woman that Jesus loves. John knew this. John experienced this. John was convinced of this. And John, caring about God's people, says, Hear me. If you love him, you'll listen to him. If you love him, you'll obey him. If you say you got it all together, you're a liar and you make Jesus out to be a liar. If you're saying you've got it all worked out, you're a liar. I mean, for someone who's preaches so much about love and talks so much about love, that's pretty harsh. But have we ever heard of tough love? He wants us to be that person. He wants us to be that friend that we're convinced. I'm the one that Jesus loves so much. His love is truer than my love. His love is stronger than my love. But man, I, I love him, but he, but he loves me. I don't have the most polished ending point for this message. I guess my ending point would be this in our dialogue with the Lord. He wants us, Jesus wants us to bring sins to him and to confess them so that we don't carry the weight because that's what a loving friend does. He's like, I don't want you to carry that. Give it to me. That's what a loving friend does. That's what a perfect counselor does. That's what a perfect healer does. And I'm telling you right now, you know you, you know you, I know me. Whatever the thing is that will keep you from going, you know it's ungodly, you know it's sin. I know it's sin. If it's pride, I know it's sin. If it's pride that keeps me from confessing to Jesus, I know it's sin. And you know it too. And Paul truly admonishes us saying, don't deceive yourself and pretend otherwise. Otherwise. 
if it's religious tradition. Well, we're not Catholic, so we don't buy into the whole confession thing. Well, we are followers of Jesus, and I think I've pretty clearly outlined it today. We do confess. We just don't have to go to another person. We can go straight to Jesus. The veil has been torn. Jesus tore that veil at the moment he said it is finished. Now we can go straight into the Father's presence. What keeps us from confessing? Pride, tradition, religion, fear. Perfect love casts out all fear and Jesus is perfect love personified. Maybe we just never thought about it. Maybe it hasn't been part of our tradition. Maybe we didn't realize the need to have this level of love with Jesus, this expression of love with Jesus, that again and again and again we confess, we come to him, we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And it's through that vulnerability, that relational act of coming to him.